On this episode of Movies Ruin My Life, we take a quick look at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Also, Devin's rant from last year's Doctor Strange episode is intact. So for any of you who have been asking about it, it's in this one. Alright, so that's Devin. Hello. I'm Brandon. And just a casual, quick talk on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Good sir. Nothing, uh... I just want to click quickly say... Um, sorry. I just want to quickly say... Neither of us fans of this fucking comic at all before these movies. Uh, I really enjoyed the first movie. We've talked about it in other panels before. I didn't know until we left the theater that you hadn't seen the first movie. No, no. So, in any case, any of the big Marvel fans out there who claim to be, uh, you're full of shit, for one, because nobody was a fucking fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, So I run, the first run was canceled. But in any case, uh, which, you know, Sylvester Stallone plays one of those characters in this film, as well as Bing Rames and uh, Miley Cyrus. We're going to get into this a little later, or... No, we're not. Fuck this shit. We're just going to have some fun and talk about the movie casually. Um, If you want to keep listening to the episode, uh, great. If you don't and your internet rage is going to get the best of you and you're just going to start typing angrily, then fuck off because I got no time for that shit. We just want to talk about the movie and and our thoughts on it as a movie. Imagine the show's called Movies Ruin My Life. We want to talk about the quality of a movie. So, good sir, question for you as, as... you haven't seen the first one. What were your thoughts on this film? Um, I mean, honestly, I didn't think it affected it too much. I, you know, it was mm-hmm. easy easy to get into. Characters didn't really require a whole lot of backstory. You kind of get it, and I think that's that's you know, yeah, part of what they're going for. You know, yeah, absolutely, just zero setup necessary. Who cares if it's just you know, kind of standard, you know, um, comic character tropes yeah sort of a thing but it it works to its benefit i mean that was what kind of uh threw me off about the first one the reason why i didn't see it was was because i i didn't think that was something they could pull off because um like especially in the the um you know the wake of of other comic franchises that when they've they've tried to to bring those uh to screen they and and you know and uh sort of a light-hearted kind of self-aware way. Mm-hmm. I haven't been as big of a fan. So, for example, the the earlier go-around of Fantastic Four or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, I guess, and I guess more recently, even though probably after the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I don't know um, where the release dates sit, but like Daredevil uh, and... Um, or not Daredevil, what am I saying? Deadpool. Deadpool. And um, Suicide Squad. Which yeah. both, I think, tried to take a similar approach. Not obviously not anywhere near the same, but mm-hmm. just being like a a kind of um, yeah, unabashed exactly. sort of uh, kitschy movie. For I see the, the the sake of it, you know. Like I said, like maybe not even the characters being self aware, but but a uh, you know, as in as in uh, Deadpool, but the, the I see what you're saying. The kind of humor, yeah, the creators, the content being kind of self aware, yeah. Deadpool is kind of a thing where, you know, as as we've heard Matt rant about on the show, Matt from the Crossword Podcast, hello, uh, if you're listening, um, has said on the show he's not a big fan of Deadpool because, the, the you know, all the best Deadpool comics and all the best Deadpool stories and everything reside in the 90s. And for, he's not a huge fan of a lot of 90s era comics. You know, there's a lot of, say, for example, they were writing The Punisher in the 90s, was something he was he complained about on the show. Um, and so, yeah, you, you do have to kind of live in these eras. I think that this film has done a very different thing in, in the sense of um, it's, it's, it's kind of an omnipresent thing. They, they joke about in this film, like, say, for example, Sam Cooke, one of the greatest Earth singers to ever live. Well, which is true, <laughs> and these sorts of things like it, it, it's it's it doesn't limit you to a time, but it it allows for that nostalgia, like you're saying. Um, yeah, you're and you're totally right about Suicide Squad. I think that kind of was DC's rebuttal to uh, 
to Guardians in a lot of ways, but maybe at the same time, it would be kind of cool to see them face off against. You know, if <laughs> would it be? I don't know against Justice League. Um, so maybe that's where that's going to. Maybe I'm wrong about that. So now that you've seen the first flick, or sorry, now that you've seen Volume Two, you, you intend to go back and watch the first flick? Probably. <laughs> so not a not a uh, not a ringing endorsement. I I mean I just I don't know uh, you know yeah second one was good <laughs> you're good with that yeah yeah you know I we kind of talked briefly about the only issue that I had with this flick was that there was no or they felt the need to constantly release the pressure so anytime they had a moment that was getting just too serious they had to kind of pop that balloon and I would have liked just for style. If they had kept one, now the film is the way it is. I that's that's my personal taste. That doesn't affect the quality of the flick. I thought it was really well done. I thought the 3D was good, not great. We talked about how great the 3D we felt both both of us felt was in Ghost in the Shell, for example. I I, I thought it was a lot more overt than that and not quite as effective. Um, you know, uh, it. it but it 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 works. It's a colorful, fun, family-ish movie. Although there's a lot of fucking killing in this flick. Um, but yeah, it, you know. So I I I dug it. I dug it a lot. I may even say I liked it better than the first because um, I think we're both big Michael Rooker fans. Yes, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'm not gonna take this one too long because it's just kind of a supplementary episode. We've been off for a bit. Obviously, uh, we just released 90s Action Week this week, so uh, if you are looking for a four-hour fucking podcast, uh, then then go and check that one out. We'll probably wrap this one somewhere on the 30-minute mark, but um, you mind doing a quick round of favorite character, seeing as this is your first introduction to the flick, favorite scene and least favorite scene, or favorite and, favorite, favorite and least favorite of both, and then, uh, uh, you know. We can't really go around the table. There's two of us. Go across the table. Um, favorite character? I like the raccoon. Yeah, Bradley good. Cooper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, favorite scene might be a little bit tougher. I don't know. I did like when he was just like springing all those traps. Oh, yeah, that was, that was sick. pretty good. Was, was I just pretty... said sick. Or no, of course, of course. The, my favorite scene was when him and uh, Yang Duel are are just fucking everybody up in the ship. That they, the camera work there. Yeah, uh, it's the cool. Fa- and the fact that they managed to, like, it's just scene after scene of just this arrow killing people and shooting people through walls, but they managed to to flip it enough times that it doesn't feel old. Like. Uh, the the one time you know they knock out the light in the room first and then you just see this little arrow stripe yeah 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 flying around or which is totally for uh to to for the MPAA it's like yeah. this one's for you it's a little fucking wink like give us our PG thirteen yeah <laughs> and like so they keep they keep on mixing it up enough that that scene doesn't become just an arrow killing everybody mm-hmm. you know and um, the scene of all the bodies falling and yeah which is nice little penance for all the ones who were on y- uh, Yandu's side earlier in the flick yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah I don't know I, I that was probably Mm-hmm. I like, I liked, uh, you know, maybe if, you know, if there's a reason to go back and, and watch the first one, I guess, you know, if Michael Rooker plays a bigger part, I thought he was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. He's not my favorite. Yeah. He has the, the arrow scene. I was saying, we were saying off air, um, I was telling you that the arrow scene in the first one is pretty cool too. Uh, the couple times that he pulls it out, but the, the one in the third act is, is pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so that's favorite of uh, both, least favorite. Good, sir. Um, that last scene was a bit much with the uh, Cat Stevens. Yeah. Fucking just dragged a bit too long. And mm. it was very, like, obvious. Mm. Like, what they're, I don't know, they're just, just they're, tugging at heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. To get across the finish line. I feel like that song in general is just kind of exploitative in that way. Maybe to to maybe specifically to like yeah, it's it's perfectly dudes, crafted you know? to tug it's, at your heartstrings. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's like, oh, they're getting the fucking Cat Stevens out. It's, yeah. It's like cheating. It's like taking steroids and, yeah. and competing in the Olympics or something. I don't know. And so I, I purposefully uh, made sure I didn't feel anything. <laughs> I wasn't going to give it to them. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that was probably mm. probably it. Maybe, um, I don't know. We didn't get there in time to see the very, 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 very opening. So maybe that would have been my least favorite. I just Kurt Russell planting planting space plants and making out with a seed. Yeah, hey, hey. but I'm pumped. All right, so for me, uh, favorite character in this flick. Yeah, I do. I I liked the kind of parallel arcs between Rocket Raccoon, like you said, and Yondu. So I'm going to take Yondu, Uh, Michael Rooker, give him some respect. Seeing as he's not going to be back in the next one, thought they did a really good job with him. Um, least favorite character, I'm going to go with Nebula. Now, just to be clear, I I love Karen Gilliam. I want to see her working in everything. Um, my favorite companion of all time on the Doctor, uh, or on Doctor Who, sorry, my favorite companion of the Doctors. Um, and... You know, she's good in that, like, few scenes in the big short. and She's been... I really, really like her. I want to see her work. And I really enjoyed Nebula in the first one. I thought she's very menacing. In this flick, I thought some of her vocal performance kind of threw me out of the... She, It didn't work. Her being tough didn't... It wasn't as menacing as it was the first time around. And, and maybe that's just me. Maybe I'll go back and watch the first one and I'll feel the same ways I did about this flick. Or maybe I'll watch this flick again and I'll come back and say, you know what? Uh, I'm wrong. So, but first interpretations just coming out of the... Or first impression just coming out of the flick. Um, not not in love with with Nebula in this movie. That being said, she did have some great scenes. Um you know, shooting the the fin off of Yondu's head, for example, and this sort of thing, and uh, kind of playing chess in one sense with some of the kind of weaker parties, mentally speaking, uh, either for emotional reasons or whatever. Like, say, for example, Baby Groot and the the ship, the the remaining, um, <clears throat> what's the Reavers. Oh, Ravagers. No. Ra- Ravagers, sorry. Reavers is fucking X-Men, sorry. Um, the Ravagers, um, the remaining Ravagers that that uh, were, get, you know, the evil ones, so to speak, led by Taser Phase. Good scene, also. You know. Um, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Nebula, least favorite in any case, even though I thought she did have some good scenes, just didn't like the character as much, didn't work for me. As well, so I want. I'm looking forward to seeing her in, seeing her in Infinity Wars. Um, I know she's going to be there because she's you know she's going to fuck up Thanos hopefully um, a little bit. And uh, favorite scene, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with the battle uh, in the third act on the planet uh, with the Sovereign. Uh, you know, landing on Ego. And uh, and you know Kurt Russell and his his laser or you know blue form for a little bit there, but um, just because of the the whole exchange, and I know we saw part of it in the trailer leading up to the movie with the tape on the button and so forth, but it's not because of that. It's because of um, it's because of that whole period where it's like go look for the tape, and then you're just watching Rocket and. And uh, Groot being bored, and you hear Peter asking everyone, you know, and he comes back like, "Did you ask Nebula?" Yes. Really? She was right next to Yondu. Like that whole thing was great. I liked the awkwardness there. It actually worked a lot better there than it did in the opening sequence where we had to watch uh, Baby Groot dance and the fights going on in the background, which I also thought was cool. I thought it was really smart how they did that because you only have to shoot like a few scenes you just or sh- a few moments. You just have, you know, Dave Bautista roll in front of the camera and put a little frozen baby Groot there for a second. You know, have um, 
uh, uh, Zoe Saldana come and fucking uh, do the whole, um, you know, get out of the way. Hi. And when she said hi, I grinned ear to ear. I thought that was great. But um, other than that, it's just, you can do it on the cheap. And the same thing with that that later scene. And it was really, really well done for that reason. So that just that moment where the exchange with, uh, over the bomb and uh, right up until Baby Groot runs off. Um, 50% because I respect how uh, smart it is to do a scene like that in a movie that you're trying to do in the studio system but responsibly you know so you can keep getting sequels and keep getting work so i respect that and also because it worked really well comedically um and and like kudos to bradley cooper for making that work just vocally i wasn't a super fan of him uh of the casting initially um not that i really gave a shit about this franchise but i just thought it seemed like a waste to put bradley cooper in the universe as a as a, in the MCU, as a as an animated character, as a voice actor, just seemed like throwing away money for nothing. Which again, they kind of did in this flick with Miley Cyrus. We already uh, said that. So, but um, least favorite scene. What the? What wasn't? What wasn't a, a good moment for me? I was pretty happy with everything. All things considered, I'm going to do the Adam Warlock cutscene. Uh don't care that's why <laughs> like i don't fucking care because uh, you're not gonna bring them around in time for infinity war so who gives a fuck um never gave a shit about the fucking kree in the first one um that and and it's the same kind of thing with the sovereign here where there it, it doesn't matter they didn't matter in the film that much. You could have shot that exact same film and and just kind of done two little tweaks instead of them running through that that storm. Uh, that storm was the cause of, of them, ha- you know, delayed and then just eliminate them from Ego's planet and shorten the film up five minutes. There's there's not there's nothing wrong there for me. Like you don't need them other than the opening sequence. So I understand it doesn't matter. I like the film. I like that, but uh, you know, f- fuck fuck the the Adam Warlock cut sequence because you're giving you're lending credence to something that I felt didn't need to be wasn't meant like mandatory in the film to begin with. So um, and also because I'm, I'm I'm fucking positive that I remember like the internet being ablaze with. Adam Warlock's cocoon being in Benicio del Toro's uh, fucking store, the collector's store, in the in the first one, and and then uh, either in the at the end of the first flick or uh, in the cutscene from Thor, one of the Thor films when they take an Infinity Stone to the collector, it's one of those two things. So, but I whatever. But yeah, didn't didn't like it. Thought it was a waste. I'd rather watch another scene with teenage Groot or something like that. If I have to watch five fucking cutscenes, but so it's not in the movie. I guess it doesn't count. But who fucking cares? You know, yeah. that's my that's my pick. So good movie. Just don't you know? Let me go home five minutes earlier. That's what I'm saying. I thought um, <clears throat> the trailers did um, give away a lot of really great. Uh, scenes in the movie um, that made me disappointed whenever one of them came up because it's like, oh, well, I know what happens here. But then they all had like a little extra bit to them. Yeah. You know, it wasn't um, like, cause uh, you know, a lot of times you watch a trailer and it's like, you know, when, when you get to that point, they, what was shown in the trailer fully encapsulates mm-hmm. what that moment was in the movie. It's exactly. Like it, it, it's totally ruins it. Whereas I don't know. I, I always felt like, especially in comedies, which yeah. this is, this is a comedy. Yeah. Like that exists in a superhero. Universe. That stupid scene with, uh, when Mantis, uh, reads what's his name's mind. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and is like, Oh yeah. And then a do me, do me. And and then she does touch him, and then they both start laughing at uh, yeah. Uh, Chris that Pat. that was that was such like and a she's pointing and laughing with him. Better yeah. uh, like it, you know it 
it made it made a, a scene that I was already not laughing at because I already you know whatever I'd I seen it gave yeah. it like a chuckle the first time or whatever. Uh, you know, I was just done with it. Then yeah. it took it to that that next step, and it, it made it made it funny again. Yeah, you know? um, that was that was uh, that was good. Yeah, it's good that they did that. <laughs> I agree, and it's very hard in this sort of flick to do that. Mm-hmm. When you look at say something, for example, like Civil War, they they kind of built a fake story around scenes from the movie. For the trailers, so uh, to kind of lend misdirection, but you can't really do that when the heart of your movie is the jokes. Like when you go to see the Avengers, absolutely they're bright and colorful and they're funny, but it's an action film per se in in a superhero universe, and it's funny. But this film, the bright, colorful imagery and the comedy is the movie like that's the meat of the sandwich so it's very hard uh and 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 they now that i've seen the film i totally agree um pretty responsible trailer could have used like a little less to be quite honest i think we might be in the same boat with the whole uh um thor ragnarok trailer with the he's a friend from work joke like that's never gonna play again. Yeah, it was great in the trailer, but I'm not gonna laugh at that in the theater. Yeah, yeah. And there were at, like everybody was laughing in the theater for this movie. <clears throat> yeah, like it was, you know, um, really loud, boisterous uh, laughter. C- considering we went to a fucking dinner time showing on a Sunday. A lot of times, like as funny as um, I, I don't know funny as like a, an, an action movie's joke might be, mm-hmm. you you know. Yeah, you get a hut. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was um, clearly like everybody, you know, that mm-hmm. was there was, was, was pretty well enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. It was, uh, and it was a fun audience. I thought that that was interesting because I guess it's the kind of film that you're going to see, but at the same time, I don't think anyone was too upset at the... Say, for example, there was, admittedly, and I fucking hate this, don't get me wrong, but there was a kid that was talking at one point in the movie, um, and the parents didn't really stop him from continuing to talk for a minute. Now, kids talk. Like, I totally, you know, you, you took him to a fucking three-hour movie. Like, get your, you should get your head screwed on straight. You know, like, that's a problem to begin with. But... Um, Everyone seemed to kind of like that because of the fact that these characters are – we're all kind of living, you know, uh, a kind of big kid moment just in going to see this sort of film. So stuff like that in the theater and people laughing and applauding and goofing around, as much as I'm not cool with it, it seems as though the whole cinema was in on it a little bit at times, you know, and then we would go back to being quiet and so forth and – so I was cool with it. I thought it was really it was a good audience. Surprisingly, one one of probably the best audiences that that I've been in a superhero movie. Like I fucking detested and we talked about it on the episode, the Batman v Superman audience that Danny and I got. Oh my god, I wanted to strangle all those fucking people. You know, like the guy that that stood up at the end and was like booing and shit. Yeah, cuz the exhibitors care. They got your money. You can do whatever you want in the theater, well within reason. <laughs> I like the little head, the little nod. Like, hey. Yeah, I guess. In any case, I'm going to take a quick break, even though we don't really need to because we're like, it's like a 20 minute episode. But let's take a quick break, come back. I want to ask you, or I want to ask you a few questions. What is this fucking interview show? I wanted to talk with you a little bit about um, the execution of the uh, ensemble cast. So we briefly touched on that. I wanted to compare it to some of the other films that have done that in the MCU, stuff like the Avengers and Civil War, which is basically the Avengers, and, and so forth, and, t- and take a look and, and see how it stacks up for you. And then, uh, you know, maybe we'll throw a little Kurt Russell love out there uh, before we, we call it a day. And uh, and also I'm curious for you, because I know you, you do not go in for this sort of thing, good sir. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the soundtrack and see if 
it's like if there was other scenes like that Cat Stevens ones. But let's come back and we'll get into that. Cool. Okay, so next week on the show, Scott, Trevor, and myself discuss the directorial work of Mr. Wes Craven, and we try to decide on six films in his directorial catalog to submit as the quintessential Wes Craven movie marathon. We hope you'll join us then. All right, so we're back, and uh, Sir Devin, um, one thing that we, I just said to you off-air and... Uh, I wouldn't mind chatting about a little bit is um, one thing that this flick I think does really well is utilizing the kind of individual skill sets of each person in the team. And obviously they make light of it in the opening sequence where it's like, Oh, you know, I thought you were the use swords and now you're going to use guns. I thought that was my thing. Um, but I, I do like one thing that they do a little bit different from the kind of G.I. Joe idea that we've talked about on, on action-based episodes before where it's like one person that has a specific set of skills and then the whole team together facilitates that whole role. One thing that I thought was really interesting in the first film, and again in this film you see it, it's generally always two people. So they, they, they all share a skill set. There's an overlap to everything. So there's always two possibilities with the the cast of characters that they've selected, and I, I really like that. I like that, it, and it it makes that um, that whole um, kind of uh, surrogate family vibe work a little bit more for me because they they're all working, they are legitimately always working together, and I like that a lot. I don't know any thoughts. Good, sir. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought um, they made it almost episodic um, in in that you've got like all of these kind of um, uh, overlapping separate uh, uh, character arcs. And it worked, it, I, I don't know. I mean, it worked really well because a lot of them had a, like they all had a very different feel. Mm-hmm. Like this sort of... Um, Star Lord, you know, sort of figuring out where he came from, yeah. Whatever, um, the raccoon kind of, you know, rocket uh, and Yangdu. Um, uh, if you think I'm going to stop calling him the raccoon, I'm not. <laughs> you can correct me all you want. <laughs> Trash panda. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was a good one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they all had they all had a very different feel to them. Um. The sisters, um, yeah, Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. Um, it like, I don't know. It was it was different enough. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in in movies like that, when they're all working towards a central goal, the feel is very similar. So yeah. switching between them, it doesn't really get less. Um, it just gets muddled. I don't know. Yeah, it just gets like, um, you know, um, it's it's easier to latch onto one character's. Arc, or lose a character or yeah. whatever, yeah. And, and I, I don't feel like that happened in, in this one. They were all pretty compelling. And they were all uh, hashed out very cleanly, which I really liked. Because one thing, and, and we did allude to the Civil War uh, comparison before and just the Avengers in general. I know we've talked about in previous episodes how they kind of, they introduced, say for example, Black Panther really well in Civil War. But say, for example, someone like War Machine kind of fell to the wayside when it's like a lot of us grew up really liking War Machine because he was kick-ass in the, uh, you know, Marvel versus Capcom games and <laughs> this sort of thing. Um, but uh, they they did a really good job of you being able to kind of follow and continue with everyone's uh, character arcs here. You didn't feel as though you lost anyone and also you didn't feel like you lost any time with anybody i always hate that feeling that they're making sacrifices like stuff ended up on the cutting room floor or was taken out of the script or just um, uh, omitted from the script before shooting or what have, have you because they needed to say for example save time or whatever this film Two and a half hours, pretty much, right? And it it, uh, it zipped along at a really nice pace, and 
and and covered everyone really responsibly. Everyone kind of saw everything culminate uh, in a classy way. Even Kurt Russell. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the ego character for a second? Now, from what I understand, and I may be mistaken here, so uh, if someone does want it, if they've stuck with this episode after I bitched and complained about getting nasty emails, uh, um, and they want to send an email, I just want to, if memory serves, I believe that the ego um, thing was basically facilitated for this film because of a trade for Negasonic Teenage Warhead with Fox. I think that's how that works. And you you, you mentioned Deadpool earlier in the episode. Um, I I think that's a really wise choice. I I, I think the character worked really well in in the universe that they're creating. Uh, I I definitely would have made that same trade as well. You know, (laughs) good on you. Who cares? Um, and you know, obviously we just, we saw Logan, which the panel had different, differing opinions on. I know you didn't like it very much. I was okay with it. I was kind of on the fence. Some people really liked it. Brent really liked it, for example. Um, and Mar- you know, Marvel's doing their own thing with Disney and, and, and Fox is trying to figure out X-Men and that's fine. But, uh, I, I really like the ego character. I really like Kurt Russell, uh, in the role, um, I like the David Hasselhoff thing. That was a good little thing. And having him in the flick was cool. In the Knight Rider regalia. A little Michael Knight sh- uh, send-off. like it. <laughs> and also it's interesting because have you ever seen the uh, Nick Fury made-for-TV movie? Because that is Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff played Nick Fury uh, in a previous iteration. So it's, it was kind of interesting. Kind of little wink and nudge at some of the maybe older... Marvel fans. What else were we going to talk about? I wanted... Oh, well, with Ego, the other thing that was I thought was... This is a problem that Marvel's having. Um, good villains, they're killing them, or they're throwing them to the wayside. Like, basically, we've only had, in terms of really, really good villains, who have we got? We got Red Skull, who we haven't seen. Hugo Weaving was great as Red Skull. And I know technically he's contractually obligated to facilitate at least like one more appearance in theory. Who knows if that'll happen? Daniel Bruhl is still alive. You know, his uh, so uh, Baron Zemo is still alive. Uh, presumably Chuatel Ajifor, uh will be, uh, you know, a more menacing Baron Mordo moving forward. Uh but but like everyone else that they've kind of either kept alive or like I I I don't give a fuck about Thanos for example like that's great but whatever I think um, and you know one thing um, that I've said with a lot of the the comic movies we've discussed is just there's so much content to draw from mm-hmm. you know I'm sick of of getting like a three movie run and seeing the Low same Spider Man villain villains or, yeah, over and yeah, over again same. or you know. If they were to, if they, you know, please don't. But if if they reboot any of these other franchises, yeah, seeing Loki again in a Thor movie, it's like he's coming. You're gonna see him in November. There's so much fucking content. Yeah, and and so the fact that we're rehashing all of these same ones over and over again, it's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. I, I would actually like I, you know, I would love if if they just kept bringing bring new shit into the fold. You know, I don't, I don't really need a villain to be recurring that much and and unless it's like you know unless it's someone like red skull for example because he's he's like the big it's like the joker for batman and he's like he is that for for captain america so i you know i understand why they kind of left that ambiguous in case they do want to bring him back with with captain america obviously they still got taskmaster they've got who's also an iron man villain we mentioned that before we've talked about that before but like um same kind of problem that they're having in the x-men universe where it seems as though magneto's constantly got to be a a source of villainy um but yeah yeah it's like it's like they talk about you know making these um these movies for for fans of the comics Mm -hmm. but like um i don't really feel like you're you're 
doing that much fan service by by trotting out the same characters. Like it doesn't it doesn't demonstrate a, an understanding of what made this this great. Uh, mm-hmm. What what allowed so many people to connect to it to just basically provide the the same um like you know just just giving those same characters over and over again same problem you really only have a surface level understanding of what what made this content good to be in its original form i guess you know i i see what you're saying like i I mean it especially hurts me with spider-man because that's the one that i was closest with and that's the one that i feel most betrayed by right and we've had two green goblins at this point it's part of the reason why i I stray away from the series and or from comic book movies in general these days is probably because of that that fucking betrayal yeah fuck i I just want to see carnage dude (laughs) i've seen like three green goblins and like because the son and the the father yeah you you had willem dafoe and then you had james franco and then you had um i can't think of his name but he's gonna be in valerian soon the new Luc Besson film yeah and uh he's gonna he was in um obviously he was kind of also the villain in um What's that f- superhero flick with Michael B. Jordan? Why can't I think of it? It's a good chronicle, basically what uh, what Power Rangers was. But but yeah, I mean you're basically just just um, like don't act like you're making it for the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, you're making it for people who don't even fucking have any idea what this what this franchise is about. Because otherwise, you would know that you know that. Um, I don't need to see him get bit by a spider three times to fucking yeah. get where this is going, you know? Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You got bit by a fucking spider. I well, get it. And this <laughs> is a, get it. <laughs> and this is an interesting example of that too, because you haven't seen the first Guardians and you walked yeah. in and you enjoyed the flick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So it's it's a, it's it's proof of that. And we, we, you you mentioned G.I. Joe, but outside you had mentioned uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. I think maybe on the, the, the drive home or whatever. I I thought Civil War was was terrible in terms of a, an ensemble film. I thought they fucking, they really just, yeah, the they newcomers. didn't play to anybody's strengths. Yeah. They, they just sort of threw everything, yeah. you know. Well, one, there was two things that bothered me with that flick where it was like one the newcomers were the focal point they put so much emphasis yeah. on really making an impact with black panther which is great um because i'm like that's that's the movie out of everything that's coming that i'm probably most looking forward to um and then you know i'll, I'll you know i'm kind of looking forward to infinity works i want to see some of these heroes in space, I know it seems really fucking weird, but like, say for example, if you're going to bring in like Doctor Strange and 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 you're going to bring in even Captain America and stuff, like like you know, okay, give them a real challenge. Like you don't have access to oxygen. This is a problem because if you know if a guy can lift and break everything, or like the Hulk, you know, same kind of thing, right? Or you know he, he can he can do fucking magic then it's like well you know what happens when say for example he's in fucking space you know like there are there are limits and and so i i there's there's that there's there's a new obstacle in in, in that way and we've talked about you know how much i like secret wars for example because i'm also a big spider-man fan so i i really enjoy the classic secret wars because that's how he gets the black suit from the generator that that uh, you know everyone else uses one and he uses the other one (laughs) oh wait (laughs) and that's how he ends up with the the black suit in in the original run not in the new version which was also really fucking cool like don't get me wrong it did all the weird alternate universe shit and the different different earths and so forth the multiverse really came into play obviously in that but and also the beyonder being a physical entity that you can like see and talk to and you know bring fucking cheeseburgers and stuff that were in your pocket for a week like that's a little bit i i don't know if i loved that for example but they're both really cool and i i I like that idea you know i like a fucking venom dinosaur and this sort of thing those those are that's fun 
will I look forward to seeing that kind of thing on screen? Obviously not. You know, I want to see something with Secret Wars with the Beyonder because I think that's one of the next logical kind of progressions for another phase after they wrap up the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet shit, right? But, um, and obviously, like, we did see the Watchers in this film briefly, chilling with Stan Lee. So, presumably, there's going to be a, a little bit of a Watcher presence uh, in in Infinity Wars, which is cool, I guess. I wasn't super in love with their aesthetic, but it's pretty much a literal translation, so I'm cool with it. Um, but, yeah, there's there's this... There's this thing in the Marvel Universe where it's like, with all of their films, there's two things. One is that we keep kind of commending them for balancing an ensemble cast, and it's movies like this where they actually do it, and you think, or or they do it considerably better, and then you look back at these films that you've applauded, say, for example, the first Avengers film, where really they didn't have to balance every Avenger, because no one is there to see... Um, like fucking Jeremy Renner or Scarlett Johansson. You know, people are there to see Scarlett Johansson, but they're there to see Scarlett Johansson, not Black Widow, per se. Um, they want to see Hulk smash and Captain America throw a shield and, and, and Iron Man, you know, Robert Iron. Downey Jr. it up. <laughs> Iron Man, Iron. <laughs> yeah, we, they want to see him Iron. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's... It's interesting to look at that. The other thing that you mentioned about the episodic thing, I, I think, is really cool. It's a really good point because in this, in the MCU, you get so much of this fucking, you know, wait for the next one kind of thing that we've talked about again many a times and complained about. Like, I just have a fucking movie for the love of God, and I thought that they did a really smart thing of, as much as you weren't in love with that Cat Stevens scene, which is we'll talk about in a second um or that wh- why you didn't like it the mechanism um they they finished the movie at where the credits rolled so there was five post credit scenes but the movie was done when the credits started to roll you know there's been superhero movies in recent memory where shit that's integral to the plot of the film is happening in post-credit sequences. And it's like, you know, that probably should have been in the movie. Civil War is, again, an example of that. Why am I seeing, you know, a post-credit scene with what happens to fucking Bucky? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't that be in the fucking movie? Like, that shouldn't be a post-credit thing. Um, but, whatever. I guess the... Uh, Whatever. I don't, I, I don't want to complain anymore about other fucking movies. Before we wrap it up, the phenomenon that you experience with the the tugging at the heartstrings using Cat uh, Stevens' father and son, did you have any other moments like that in the flick? The playing catch with the fucking electric ball was a little bit lame. Yeah. Like, oh, you found his dad. Yeah, but he's like 30 years old, you know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so you can't you're not allowed to catch balls when you're 30 well <laughs> <laughs> why aren't you doing paperwork together like why aren't you doing your taxes together peter i don't know he, you haven't been on earth in 30 years you probably fucking gotta file some tax returns here you could say you know like i've seen all the fucking things you've done like i'm proud of you son and then it's like okay he's his dad like, but like, okay, hold your hands together. There's electricity. Okay, now shape it. Okay, now hand it to me. Okay, now it's a ball. Okay, catch it. Like, mm-hmm. this is a little bit too drawn out. I don't know. Well, and, and I know that it's a callback, and they're doing the whole like he never got to play catch with his dad, and there that scene. They talk about that like two scenes before, but again, the fact that that's happening on ego is the point of why because ego it. is I seeing it. I that get it. i get it but i don't care it was lame. i know but like <laughs> it's it's not for it's not a touchy-feely moment i'm just saying that what it actually is showing you is ego manipulating him because even they don't understand that they're standing on ego like he is ego like when the, you get the one shot of the actual planet which they didn't look at when they landed on mm-hmm. you see 
ego. You see his yeah. face on it. Yeah. Like, that's what he looks like. And I remember when it was announced that Kurt Russell was cast in this role, I think we posted on our Twitter a side-by-side photo of the fucking planet with the goatee and fucking <laughs> Kurt Russell. And like, yep, checks out. But uh, yeah, I liked how they did that. I thought it was better than Dormammu, which I had a bit of a problem with, but everyone else seemed to really like. Um, 3D Dormammu was fucking hard to watch. Yeah. When did you see this 3D Dormammu? Because I'm putting that at the end of this episode, by the way. For anyone who's been waiting for Devin's rants about stealing <laughs> Doctor Strange. Oh, right, right, right. I'm Maybe. putting it after this one. Yeah, so I didn't even see it in 3D. No. It was still fucking disorienting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just hard. The to only look. time that acid trip worked was the first one when Tilda Swinton pushed him through the... And and then he went into the like he went into the multiverse kind of flashback acid trip migraine or yeah. something it's horrible yeah I I don't understand why you can't just make him OG Dormammu you know yeah he's got a red firehead and just he's, that's awesome to me yeah he's just dope as hell wearing a cape <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that you know yeah I concur. <laughs> <laughs> He's just wearing a cape. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You didn't need to fucking stylize him like crazy. I, I mean, that's, you know, another part of the reason why why I didn't watch the first one of these movies is just I, I felt the over-stylization of all of the marketing. Yeah. But that doesn't come through in the movie. Too no, much. it it's seems not, genuine. It seems like the yeah. only one of these type of movies that are drawing on say for example like you mentioned with deadpool and i know what you were referring to is more the soundtrack and the sort of thing where they're playing like fucking like probably deadpool 2 like oops i did it again or something and it like you know this kind of thing i understand what you were saying about that or like what was that switchfoot song that was really really big for like a summer i remember having to drive out to niagara falls listening to that like 17 times i wanted to strangle the driver of that car the deep cut Well, it's yeah, I know, but it's fucking tormented me. Is that that? And um, they have a fucking by a moment band. uh, I don't know. You are Switchfoot. They were the we were made to live for so much more. That song, and to live, yeah, yeah. So that's the song I'm talking about. By the way, the movie A Walk to Remember. It's from a movie. Is that the movie where the girl gets cancer? I I think that's that's Guardians of the Galaxy. No, there was this. <laughs> um, there was another one with brain cancer. I can't remember. It was it was like a walk to remember, but it was not a walk to remember. But it was pretty much a walk to remember. I think Chris Klein was in it. Sounds riveting. Yeah. Oh yes, didn't Chris Klein? Wasn't he the one with brain cancer? No, he was like the rich boy. Because he was. And then built- there was like this country boy, and they were both after the same girl. Mm. And then she had brain cancer. Oh, because I was thinking of that movie with, uh, with, <laughs> this is going it's getting really weird. <laughs> I was thinking that you were talking about that movie where, um, uh, Anakin Skywalker and Chris Klein build a house. <laughs> <laughs> Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Like, um... Not even the, um, <laughs> well, this show's going great. Uh, this is all staying in, by the way. I meant uh, Kevin Klein with uh, Anakin Skywalker and Kevin Klein build a house together. Because hmm. Kevin Klein is, is Anakin Skywalker's father in the film. Um, yep. He's got facial piercings cause, and he's troubled. He's got dyed hair. It's a hard life out there. Sith Lord. Are you looking for this movie? that I'm just... I want to know what it is. I want to know what movie it is. I can't remember. You, are, did you just Google movies that are like a walk to remember? Yeah. No. Are you looking at the Google section like you may also like? Hey, it wasn't Chris Klein. Probably wasn't. No, it was. And Lily Sobieski. Sobieski? And uh, Josh Hartnett. He was the the poor guy. Mm. And uh, Chris Klein was the rich guy. I see. Rich man, poor man. What's it called? Uh, here on Earth. Oh yes, I actually do know what this fucking movie is. Well, thank you for reminding me of that. No Taking, but in any so case, this movie is not a walk to remember, which is the movie that the Switchfoot song yeah. was in. You know what we tipped me off about the the Switchfoot thing though was that I was recently on Netflix, and of course, under the music section, they have some Switchfoot special, which 
I immediately <laughs> just put one star on so that it wouldn't come up again. According to John Foreman, the name Switchfoot comes from a surfing term. We all love to surf and have been surfing all our lives, so to us, the name made sense. To switch your feet means to take a new stance, facing the opposite direction. It's about change and It's movement. like the equivalent of goofy in, in skateboarding Is this what, and snowboarding? A different way of approaching life and music. John Foreman of Switchfoot. Thank you, John Foreman. This show is totally ending with that stupid song now. I want to ruin everyone's life with mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the point that I was making 20 fucking minutes ago was the uh, the Deadpool thing, you know, again. Um, the music cues uh, being st- stuck in an era that the series is kind of perpetually existing in. And uh, this film doesn't have that problem and also for marvel films again before we wrap it up with regards to the music um marvel movies don't have great scores Mm. we i think we can all agree on this pretty much the only piece that that i can even hum is the the piece from iron man one like the combination of uh, rock and roll bleeding into orchestral music that happens when he's doing all the testing on the suit. And I thought that that was going to continue on through the series, but of course it fucking didn't. And and so now they're... I just feel as though Marvel scores in general, and it's kind of a, a collectively agreed thing, are just kind of subpar and are usually completely there for emotional tinging on a scene, which this film is just as guilty of, but... Uh, the 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 plus is that it, it it leans on its soundtrack not the score so you you remember you know like we were talking about you you remember the fleetwood mac moment as the fleetwood mac moment and this sort of thing so um same as in the first one after they like all suit up the cherry bomb thing like i i like that uh i also just you know have a real thing for the runaways like uh because of because of our friend james who was on the star wars and star trek episode so all right let's call it a day sir any final thoughts on the film would you watch it again you're gonna watch the first one yeah i'll watch What's the, the first one yeah. i'll watch the first one it was pretty good yeah it was um i mean it's, it's always tough to gauge when you go in with kind of no real expectations because like, I didn't see the first one, mm-hmm. so I didn't know really what to expect. And I thought, like we had talked about, based on all of these other factors, that I wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I, I really did. Um, but again, it's difficult to gauge how much, because obviously my expectations weren't that high going into it. But I would say anybody, you know, anybody who, uh, even if you didn't see the first one, fuck it. Whatever. You'll get it. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I would recommend it. I'd say it was good. Good movie. For me, I would say, you know, this this flick surpassed my expectations. Because I, unlike you, had fairly, fairly high ones. I... Uh, I should explain this better. I had a low bar for the film in terms of I didn't think it was going to exceed uh, my connection to the first. Conversely, I kind of said, if it doesn't, then I'm done with this series. And I thought it did. I thought it exceeded it, and it it did so on the back of Michael Rooker. Um, And Bradley Cooper as well, who I thought did an amazing job... um, conversely i didn't love him in the first one because there was a lot of moments where it felt as though which was the case obviously that he didn't have other actors to really bounce off of in this film there was only one single instance where you know his character like where rocket being an animated character played a role uh in a scene and i knew or rather like that that suspended disbelief was shattered by his his response to something um 
and his his reaction, which was just considerably overt to how the scene was was done in the final edit. But good flick in a in an era of episodic, never ending superhero storylines that continue through several movies it's nice to have a self-contained story and i'm quite happy anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up good sir that's all all right so thanks everyone for hanging around with us for our casual rantings on guardians of the galaxy i think we have uh we have a lot of cool stuff coming up we got a west craven episode coming down the pipeline we've got um I know we've got a John Carpenter episode coming up as well. We've got a bunch of um, reaction panels. Alien Covenant is coming out in, uh, next week, so we got to get together, wrangle some people, and have a chat on that. It should be interesting in the coming months here at Mermel. I, I, we have a director's debate coming down the line as well. With uh, In addition to Wes Craven and John Carpenter, we've got Wes Anderson on the slate. Maybe we'll take a look and try and redo our Hitchcock panel. So lots of cool stuff that I botched the recording on. I apologize. Um, so I appreciate you guys uh, hanging around with us. The last few weeks have been off. For any of you who give a shit, I recently found out I was going to be a dad. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to sort my life out and be an adult. And uh, everyone here at Marmol has been super fucking patient with me. I canceled a handful of panels and... I, I really appreciate when I looked at the numbers recently after three weeks of not releasing an episode that it looks like pretty much everyone stuck around. We've been getting a lot of emails, you guys live, etc. So um, I'm really excited both uh, for what's coming, obviously, with Mermel, but more importantly, um, the fact that I'm going to be a, a pet pep soon, which is awesome. Uh, again, can't hear you nodding, but thank you, good sir. Um... So yeah, after this episode, you'll hear the post-credit normal shit that we do, but there's no excerpts because we're just chatting here. What you'll hear instead is Devin's freakout that we've been celebrating here at Mermel for the past several months from last November's panel on Doctor Strange, which I felt bad that I took out from the moment I took it out. I didn't want to take it out. It was a last-minute decision. Brent and I chatted about it and decided to take it out. So if you stick around after... Uh, we leave, and uh, you'll you'll hear that. So remember, this is just the beginning of the conversation. I'd love to continue it on with you. Shoot us an email this week at Mermel Podcast on Twitter. That's not an email, but you can email us at show at moviesroommylife.com. Uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash moviesroommylife. Visit us on SoundCloud. You can comment there if you like, although I think we've got it where you... It's, uh, who cares? We'll figure it out. Message us on SoundCloud if you want. You can find us everywhere. We're everywhere the podcast can be heard. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Um, reach out to us. We love chatting with you. Leave us a review because it helps other people find us uh, on whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us. And... Uh, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the year. Really looking forward to talking to you guys. Lots of good flicks coming out. Lots of bad flicks coming out. We're going to have lots of fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. have dr strange show up just just to have him show up in another movie um like i don't know it's i I was watching it on a um the 2d right a a stream on a computer that was maybe it wasn't exactly legal we'll we'll, we'll cut that out out. (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) no but i feel like that changed the enjoyment quite a bit right but you can just say that i was i didn't go to a 3d screening yeah. Well, no, but that's not what the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm sitting here. And I was going to say, like, I, I, I had to fight back closing the tab, watching this movie for free on a fucking computer. <laughs> I had to fight back well, being like, I, got... mm, I should watch this <laughs> okay. have, so that we can have a conversation about it. That was that was the only thing that stopped me from closing that tab. Hey, Devin, you want to go see it in like D box tomorrow? Let's go. <laughs> Box. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know. it's also sometimes branded as 3D box. And I'm like, I don't know if that's better. <laughs> uh.
But, but, but the, the, point, the point that I'm ma- that I was making that's probably going to get cut out now, <laughs> even watching this movie for fucking free. Yeah. I was actually supposed to see this movie. <laughs> know, Hang on. In I the know. comfort of my own home. If I had paid for it and I had been out somewhere, if I had, if, if I had been Stop sitting it. in a fucking movie theater, then, then there's, a, there's an investment there, yeah, right? Sure. Uh, with, with nothing. I know. If he just said I got a free ticket, we no, <laughs> no, no. Well, no, no. Here's the thing. No. So, but, but here's the thing. I was supposed to maybe uh, uh, colored my the, take. You worried about the FBI, Brandon? Is <laughs> no. the FBI going to come to my house? Are they going <laughs> to fuck you, worried. FBI? You're not going to be making money off of us anyway. So we might so. as well get some free movies, bro. <laughs> so I might as well watch it for free on the fucking internet. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine. Wasn't and just right at that fucking point, so people yeah. that felt the way that Devin did exactly right. walking out of the fucking theater. And so that's the thing that I think, like, let's say that was a pretty like masterful transition, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, that's what really brought me in, and uh, oh, I'm glad we're not filming this one. Devin, what was your favorite scene? The theater was empty when I went. <laughs> I was the only one there. I want to speed that the whole episode. I, <laughs> I left enough of a breath so you can cut it. Yeah, I know. I Even know. the last time. No, I know. I, I, I actually, I, yeah. So just to clarify before I say my favorite scene, I did watch the movie for free on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just giving you some work to do. That's okay. all. I'm just giving you a little work. I already... <laughs> Um, my, my favorite scene, um, was it the ad that popped up in the middle? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was the uh, notification I got about antivirus software. Oh, my VPN stopped working partway through. Um, my favorite scene.